Good morning. We are excited that you're here um, to continue with us through uh, the series through Galatians. Uh, that first song we sung, I wasn't really expecting, and then, uh, not because Chris doesn't do a great job, they do, uh, but just the connection uh, this morning. Uh, it says that it's all about you, Jesus, the heart of worship. And that's really what Galatians is about, right? Galatians is all about us getting, we're going to try this, maybe, there we go. Galatians is all about us getting the gospel right. And that the gospel is really, it's the gospel and nothing else that gives us everything um, that God has promised and everything that we need uh, in this life. Uh, as Pastor Dave kind of started us down the path, uh, we've been following or we are going to follow kind of this one key theme all the way through Galatians, that it's the gospel that creates a multi-ethnic family uh, that is transformed by the Spirit. Um, and it's important um, because if we get it wrong, two terrible things are going to happen. One, sinners aren't saved. And that's a problem for us. Um, it's a problem for the church. It's a problem for the world because we all need that rescue. And God isn't glorified. If the gospel is wrong, then God isn't glorified for who he is and what he's done and the plan he's had. Um, we just spent a few weeks walking through uh, the Lord's Prayer. Right? It's important enough that it starts, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to get that relationship right and glorify God through this. And the gospel, if we get it wrong, negates and, and leaves us needing a rescue and it doesn't glorify God the right way. And if we look at that, if we get the gospel wrong, and this idea is that the gospel creates a multi-ethnic family that is transformed by the spirit, if we get the gospel wrong, then all of a sudden that family that's supposed to be united starts to get broken apart. And that's what we start to see here in Galatians 2, is that the family of the church that just started to come together is getting broken apart and is on this verge of a split. And if we get the gospel wrong, then our hearts aren't transformed and people's hearts aren't transformed. And so to, to restore that community uh, gets to be very difficult because by ourselves, we're going to create chaos instead of unity. We're not going to come together. We're going to continue to walk away. And so Galatians 2 starts to speak into this. And it's a little deeper than that, right? And so why does this matter to Paul? Uh, because he sees what's happening to the church in Galatia. And he saw it happen with Peter in the church in Antioch, right? And so if we remember that church in Antioch was one of the first places that the Gentiles and the Jews started to come, in, come together and worship as one, right? This is after Paul or Peter had that vision of uh, kind of, the food laws being pulled away, that God's the one who declares what is clean. And then we have Cornelius and his whole household come 
to faith and get, receive the Spirit and get baptized. And the, the church in Jerusalem welcomes them in and says, yes, this is the right thing. But then the Judaizers come in and they start to bring some fear and some approval of man and Peter starts to back away. And so just imagine this, is that we're at church one week worshiping together. And then the next week we start splitting the pews and the aisles of where you can sit and who you can worship with. Maybe next week we add some more divisions to that. And when we used to think we were together, now we're separated. And it's starting to drive division in the church. And so it's important enough for Paul to speak into this and one, uh, challenge his brother apostle, the guys who knew Jesus, who should have been closest to this. It didn't seem like it should be that big sometimes, but it's becoming a big issue. And then it gets recorded in history in the book of Galatians, not just, hey, look, Peter, you're doing this a little bit wrong, but Peter, you're doing this wrong. We got to stop. And now we're going to tell the world about what you did because it's important. So what does that matter today? Uh, Well, let's look around us. If you have a social media feed, if you've read the newspapers, if you listen to the radio, there is conflict brewing and it's dividing us as a people, as a church, as a nation, as believers. And we're coming to this place where we are getting pulled apart. Personally, I have struggles with some of our family where we come to the table and there's things we will not talk about because it's going to create division. Politics, sometimes religion. And we just choose to not talk about it. And what we end up doing is creating a bigger conflict because we're frustrated. And here's the piece. is just like Peter and Paul These are little things, but they're driving a bigger issue. So go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter two. We're gonna pick up this story um, because the story of Paul and Peter is gonna drive us into the truth that Paul's gonna share today. And so we don't wanna separate those two. As we get there, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we pray today that you give us your word that you let your word come through, that your word transforms our hearts, that your word would push us to not look at the actions, but to look at the heart of the issue. And Lord, really to look at our own heart, even mine. Let these words convict us today. In your name, amen. Galatians chapter two, verse 11. But when Cepheus, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself from the fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, I said to Peter before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. This is a loving statement he's making. 
He's moving from focusing on Peter to focusing on Paul and knowing they have a history together. And he's reminding them we are Jews by birth and not these Gentile sinners. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a statement about the Old Testament, about how God has defined things. So we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. As Paul continues his response to Peter, he cuts directly to the center of the issue. It's the gospel. The gospel is our answer to opposition, to conflict, to disagreement. And as Paul opposes Peter, he calls him out on the actions that he's doing, but he lands on the truth first. And there's two reasons for this. One, if we can align on the truth first, we can be united in that. We have a firm foundation that we can then walk forward with other people. Because then once we have that unity, to talk about an action isn't so far away from us being held together. But if we challenge the action first, then often we're jumping into disagreement. Or perhaps it's the other answer, that we're wrong on the truth. We're not aligned on what that looks like. And if we're not going to be aligned on that conversation to start, then we're, we're going to have, we've all had these circular conversations and arguments that get us nowhere. And we both leave frustrated. Um, example, my son is turned 16. He's getting his license. Uh, he passed his driver's test. He's because of COVID and we are waiting to get to the DMV. So he still has to drive with his dad, which means I'm still training him to do things the way I would like him to, to drive. One of those is if you see the white line, you should stop the car so you can see the white line and not drive into the crosswalk or past the stop sign. Just this other day, we're driving to the pod for learning in the morning, trying to give him that experience. It's raining and he just totally blows over the first line. We can see the second line. And I, do you remember the rule about the lines? Yeah, but I can still see the line. The first line? No, no, the second line, it's okay, right? We start to make our own definitions. And when our truth is our truth, then we start to get into trouble, right? The same thing. My wife will tell the kids not to steal the cookie dough. She is kind of implying I shouldn't steal the cookie dough. And I can't steal cookie dough in my house since I bought all the supplies to go in the cookies. She's still mad at me, right? So if we're not aligned on the truth, we can't move forward into any reasonable conversation. Right? So Paul's coming back to the truth. And here it is. He's going to tell us over and over again in verse 15 and 16. Right? It's not by the works of the law. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. Come back. It's by faith in Christ, but not in the works of the law. Again, it's not by the works of the law. It's about the faith in Jesus Christ. Three times. Parents, we know what that means. We should start paying attention, right? Um, 
Paul wants us to pay the attention to this idea of being justified by faith. Paul's landing this, us on this, uh, this doctrine of justification by faith alone. And it's important. Right? The gospel is accessible only through faith in Jesus. Faith is what justifies us in the eyes of God. It's what allows us to be in fellowship, in partnership with him. And it's by faith alone, not faith plus works, not faith plus race, not faith plus what we eat. It's faith plus nothing that gets us there. And since it's by faith alone that we come to God, then we all come to God the same way. So we can all sit at the same table. Uh, John Piper in one of his commentaries said this, justification by faith is central to the Christian faith and our understanding of the gospel. We often assume that we and everyone else have grasped what it means and what impact it's gonna have on our lives. And even in saying this, we mustn't assume that we all understand it because we often forget to spell out exactly what we must not assume. But since we see here that an apostle, capital A apostle, such as Peter needed to learn about, more about what it means to be justified by faith, it's likely that we need it as well. Martin Luther and Calvin called this the hinge pin for what everything else turns of the faith. It was the heart of the Reformation. And we see it today with Paul that it's important enough to record in history to oppose his brother publicly, to bring him to the central truth. Right? That the gospel is based on the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It is faith plus nothing else that equals everything. So as Paul introduces this new word and this doctrine, we're going to look into it and we're going to look at how it's defined, how it's defended, how it's applied, and finally, about why it's important to us. So if we look at justification, justification is the gracious, gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous, solely through faith in Jesus Christ. So let's dig into that a little bit. It is the gracious act of God. It is not based on our merit. We cannot earn it. We cannot buy it. We cannot achieve it. It is a gracious gift, an act given to us. That means we need him to make it. God's in charge of it, we are not. And this recognizes that it's his control, it's his cre creation, it's his kingdom, and we have to recognize our inability to save ourselves. Grace is a gift. There are no ties to grace. There's no ties to to a gift. When we give a gift to someone, it's supposed to be a loving act where we give something to them and expect nothing in return. Now, we don't always do that, but God did. And that is what Jesus did. And we have, Jesus didn't die as a penalty for our sin. Our sin didn't condemn Jesus. And we're not in debt to Jesus 
because we are freed by Jesus, because it was a loving sacrifice on the cross, his choice to be there. And justification is is all about grace, which means faith in itself is an evidence of grace, which means God is moving and transforming and applying grace into our lives, into the lives of our loved ones, long before we even realize that it's happening. One of my greatest privileges as a youth pastor is to watch our kids grow in their faith and to see that blossom and to grow out of them. And the best part is, is half the time they have no clue it's happening. And that's how grace works, is that our heart starts to get transformed before we even know Jesus is doing something, right? And then all of, there's this point where we realize it and they realize it and they're like, oh, yeah, I believed in Jesus for a while now. I just don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to say it but we see their lives change. We see it in our, like all of a sudden they're able to communicate what they've been doing. That's grace and that's God's movement in our lives. Justification, the gracious act of God by which he declares. When we think of a declaration, we need to think of kind of this picture of a judge and he slams his gavel down and he gives us his verdict. It's done, right? It's completed. And so it's an act and it's not a process. Tomorrow you will be no more justified than you are today. Being justified, you will, it can never be taken away from you. It is complete and completed and done. It's one of the best parts of trusting in Christ, of God's plan is that his work is done and has been completed on that cross and we don't have to do anything about it. Other religions will say, you need to do this, you need to do that. If you're good enough, no, it is done. It's been declared. And it's once and for all, it's forever. We don't go back to it. It doesn't get undone. It is there. It's a declaration. It is justification is the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner. We stand guilty before a holy God. In Romans, it tells us that there is no one righteous, not even one. And as we think about this, we need to realize that this is due to both our wickedness and our goodness. If we do good things apart from Christ, it's not going to move us forward. And we're going to look at this a little bit later as we look at Paul's testimony. But we need to understand this, that as a sinner, as we understand us as a sinner, we recognize that we need rescue and we cannot get out of it by ourselves, which means we need to repent before a holy God and call on that goodness, right? Because if we recognize we're a sinner and we don't do anything about it, then 
we still are in that same position. Because God's going to do something about it right here. The gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous. God is the holy judge of the universe. He declares us not guilty. All right, this removes the title of sinner. And this is no longer who we are. We still may struggle with acts, but it's not who we are. We are identified different. Justification, the opposite of it is condemnation. We are no longer condemned. Our sins are forgiven. We're made right with God. We are innocent. We are welcome to that table. We are cleansed. It is so much deeper than being just cleansed or just declared innocent. It applies to everything we feel. It applies to feeling dirty. It applies to feeling ashamed. It applies to feeling powerless. God gives us all of that through the work of Jesus. Because the gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous is solely through faith in Jesus Christ. So it means it's by faith and faith alone that we come to this position. And it means we need to know the real Jesus. Because there's a lot of people out there who think they can identify Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. We need to know it's 100%, he's 100% God, he's 100% man. That he lived that perfect life that we couldn't, that we can't. And that he died for us and he rose again and he is the Christ coming again. Right again, it is done. There's more to come, but it's done. If we continue on in Galatians, Paul starts to defend justification. And again, he defends it with his story. So Paul, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be the transgressor. When we come to Christ by faith, we receive everything that we need to be fully accepted by God. This is Paul's testimony. Christ does not call us to sin anymore. Christ doesn't commit us to do any sinful acts. And Paul's going to tell us through his testimony what that really looks like. And really, our best defense of justification comes out of our personal testimony. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. starting in verse three. Again, this is Paul speaking. For we are the circumcision who worshiped by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. 
If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, I followed the law even as an infant. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, I can trace my lineage like the best of them. I belong to the family of God. As to the law of Pharisee, as to to zeal a persecutor of the church. I knew the law, I fought for the law. I fought against Jesus, who's gonna blaspheme me that law. But he continues. Uh, A persecutor, as to the righteousness under the law, blameless. He should have been good enough. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered for the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. If there was gonna be a person who could say, it's the law that set me free, it would have been Paul but it was Christ he set him free. It was the law that he did all these things, but it was faith alone that allowed him to be free. And so if there was gonna be one person who was gonna be able to live by that law, it would have been Paul, but he still needed Christ. And so do we. And the best part about his testimony is that it's more about what Christ did than what he did. And that's part of our defense as well. As we start to tell our story, who is the hero of the rescue? Who gets the glory of the story? Who gets most of the prime time minutes going on? Is it you or is it Christ? Who do we elevate as we're defending justification by faith alone? Because if we're not defending it with Christ, then we're defending it with ourselves or our goodness or the law. And then it doesn't work. Then Paul goes on and he starts to apply the gospel or the justification in his life. Back to Galatians. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God for if righteousness was through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Paul moves on and he asks, who do we live for? Justification is that gracious act of God by which he declares a sinner righteous solely through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul opposes Peter because his actions weren't in line with that truth. And he started fearing man and he backed away from fellowship. He was living for himself. 
He wanted the approval of his peers and he feared what might happen. So he wasn't living for Christ. He wasn't living by faith. We need to live by faith. And this is what we contend with today as believers. Right? This is, um, and this is our struggle because our world out there wants to tell us we can get it done. We can provide it. You can buy it. You can get it. And we're not sinners entitled, but it's through faith that that title's wiped away so we don't have to believe any of that. But here's the hard part is we're still struggling with sin in this world. But we're called to live in Christ and to see it all covered by the work of the cross and covered by Jesus. And so we walk forward in Christ, dependent on grace. And now here's... Here's the hard part for me of trying to preach to you about justification by faith alone. As we get into this, and my mind just gets taken back to the beginning because um, it's based on grace. It's based on faith. And every time we come to the table to understand that, my my mind just keeps going back. I'm not worthy enough to understand this. Because here's here's what happens on our walk. As we live by faith, we... and we are justified, we start moving into this process of sanctification, which means we slowly walk day by day trying to grow closer to God, trying to be more and more like Jesus. And as we do that, the longer we go, the more we deal with this idea of sin. And the more we deal with the idea of sin, the greater our understanding of the depth of sin that exists in our life, in our world, in our, all around us. And the more we start to understand the depth of sin, the more we start to understand the incredible grace and mercy and love of Christ. Which brings me back to the, like, I just don't deserve this. I don't understand this. But we need to accept it. And we have faith in it. And God moves in us. And I think Paul gives us here one of the best definitions of what it means to be a Christian, to be a believer is that as a Christian, that a Christian is a person in whom Christ now lives. We are dead to ourselves. We are alive in him. That means we're trying to walk through this and it means we're going to fail. It means we're going to fall and we're going to continue in him. And again, it's about his story and not us. So why is this all important? Justification is the doctrine by which we go to heaven. This is what, faith is what secures that eternal salvation. This is what defines that. Because all God asks about is our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ. And let's admit it, there is no doctrine harder to believe because of, because of this idea of justification of faith. And because it is based on the doctrine of free grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it, yet we get it. And that grace of God requires two things of us, that our world is going to tell us you don't have to believe. And to be honest, we don't want to believe until we're humble enough to accept it. Because it's not about us. 
The grace of God requires us to admit that we are sinners and we are helpless. Even in applying the gospel as a believer, we are sinners through act, not through identity, not through title. But we struggle with it. And to receive grace, we have to admit that we can't get it ourselves. And that we have to admit that if Jesus isn't going to do it for you, you can never be saved. There's not another plan. There's not another path. There's nothing else you can do. It is solely through the faith in Jesus Christ that this is available. So as we look at today's passage, let's not overlook that this is an apostle who's being reminded of the truth by his friend. Recorded in history so we remember it. So he reminds and he informs what's going to come in a book to the Galatians. Hey, we need to do better in this. We need to be reminded of the truth and ground ourselves in the truth before we start to deal with what do we do with the truth? Because here's going to be my answer to you. Whatever thing you think you can answer today, it is not going to be perfect There are going to be challenges to it. There are going to be what ifs to it. The only thing that is guaranteed is the gospel. And so when we're going to make a compromise, I'm okay making a compromise in my action as long as we're okay on the truth of the gospel. Because the answer is I'm going to have to compromise dealing with the world going on outside. My answer isn't always going to be perfect because we all deal with sin in a sinful world that's broken. But today, brother, sister, God has declared you righteous through faith, cleansed, reunited. Your penalty has been paid and we've been able to die to our sins so we can live in Christ. Its power isn't over us. The penalty is not over us. Its dominion is not over us. Past, present, future is all declared, paid for. And Christ's righteousness is indebted to you. And so it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So as we close, remember... Galatians is all about getting the gospel right. It's about the gospel and nothing else that will give us everything. And if we get it wrong, two terrible things happen. Sinners aren't saved and God isn't glorified. And it's by faith alone in Christ that we're declared righteous to the holy God. So is it by faith alone? What else do you think you need? What else do you depend on to get you there? We need to let that go. And if you don't have that faith, then perhaps this is the moment to recognize God is doing something and moving something that you're not aware of. And I fully trust he's doing his job and seeking after us. And are you ready to defend it, right? Your testimony is gonna be your biggest tool. So know your story. We've been talking about the gospel because knowing the gospel is important. Knowing how the gospel impacts your story is important. It's important because when we fall, that is going to be what gets us back up. And when we talk to our kids, that's going to be what helps them see Jesus. And so we need to make sure that it's prioritized on Jesus and not us. 
And then let's ask, how is Christ living in us? How are we moving closer and closer to him and further and further away from our old selves? And it's important. And I know it's been hard. We've had COVID, we've had masks, we've had fires, we've had, we're all stuck at home, we can't gather, but we need to be moving in this, not just in our homes, but in our communities, in our families, in our social medias, wherever that is, this should be pouring out for everyone to see. And so as we go forward, let's land on the truth that it's through Christ alone and all the work that he's done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your willingness to care for us, your heart for us. And we just say, Lord, help us. Help us to put everything else aside and trust only in you. Amen.